0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Booking. You've heard some of my thoughts on Watership Down. Today you're going to hear some of Brandon's thoughts on Watership Down and maybe someday you'll hear Jake's thoughts on Watership Down. They got to hear
1: both of our thoughts on
0: anthropomorphic literature. They did get to hear both of our thoughts on anthropomorphic animal stories. So that was good. I'm not complaining, I'm just describing. Brandon, you were just asking me if I'd seen the Netflix Watership Down which leads me to think perhaps you have seen the Netflix Watership Down.
1: I did. It's, it's fine. It's got some of that uncanny valley. I mean, as far as the animation goes, that plagued Polar Express in those movies. Right. So the animation's a little weird, but the acting is fine. They got a lot of British talent to do the voices. So
0: Yeah, isn't it? What's his face? Q slash Richard III or second slash... Yeah. Paddington. Paddington, yeah, what is that guy? Ben White White Wishaw. Yeah, I think he plays Fiverr. That would make sense. He'd be a good Fiverr. So I mean Richard the second is kind of a Fiverr, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. Kind of a dreamy jerk. Things yeah. work out better for Fiverr than they do for Richard the second. That's true. I'm just pulling up the cast because I remember it being quite good. Yeah, it's James McAvoy as Hazel. Oh, interesting. Okay. Maybe Ben Wishaw's not in there. Okay. It's James so McAvoy play, as Hazel. Who plays Fiverr? All-Star Cast here? Nicholas Holt. Okay, he's kind of like he's kind of like a Ben Whishaw. Yeah, yeah, he's he's very similar. As Fiverr. John Boyega as Bigwig sounds like. <laughs> he actually does a good job as Bigwig's voice. Okay, good. I I just
1: think he's a little young for the part. Uh, Somehow his voice comes across as almost like that one. Oh, who's the the guy that was in the Dark Tower movie? The uh, Oh, uh, that
0: guy, yeah. That guy rocks. That guy would be perfect for Big Wig.
1: That's who he comes across as. That's who I thought his voice was at first.
0: Good. So. Well, that, that works well then. What, what is that guy's name? That guy, uh, yeah. he plays Luther in, in the hit British series, Luther, and he's in all kinds of stuff, and I can't remember his name right now. He's a great actor. He is. A, he's a wonderful actor.
1: Was he one Was he one that became famous because of The Wire?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, they were definitely... thinking of him as being the next uh, James Bond. They were going to break yeah. Yeah, people like to talk about him. We know yeah. everything
1: about this guy, but we don't know his name.
0: Yeah, he's got a birthmark on his left foot. Oh, come on, what is this guy's name? Everybody knows this guy's name. He's in the new Suicide Squad movie, kind of taken over for Will Smith. Yeah, it's Will Smith. Brandon's a racist. Idris Elba. That's not a real name. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> fake news. Let's see. Peter Capaldi as Caher. That's cool. Olivia Coleman as Strawberry. Who plays? General Woundwort. Oh, it's Ben Kingsley as General Woundwort. That's kind of fun. It was a good choice too. His voice is good.
1: Their General Woundwort is pretty great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do they make him? Do they lean into Woundwort's more sympathetic qualities, or just make him more of a? They do. I mean, they
1: they show they kind of have a uh, Lord of the Rings uh, reference where they start off one of their episodes. It's a I think five episode series by Mm -hmm. showing how Woundwort became Woundwort where he right. chickened out and ran, you know, that's in the book, right? Yeah. His mom dies or something like that. Yeah. And so they, le- so meaning that uh, is it the second or the third movie that starts off showing you how Gollum became Gollum? The third. Yeah. 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 So that. does that kind of give you, opens up with the backstory backflash sort of thing. It's good. Yeah. They make, and they give him a pretty noble death at the end there in the sense that he's the only one that doesn't run and leaps at the dog. Mm-hmm. and that's that's it for
0: woundwort well there you go woundwort deserved some respect yeah I so tried. To in watch. other words they
1: don't they don't make him a coward they actually show you that bold guys
0: can be misguided yes and become we evil because of that yep so one of the one of the themes of watership down bold guys can become misguided and evil because of that there's a, yeah that's Arch, isn't us. that I mean, the name of your dissertation yeah that's the name of my dissertation yeah no that's what happened that's why jake's not here bold guys become misguided and evil because of
1: that yeah he's now a giant fiery eye at the top of a tower
0: yeah we we told him not to do that like jake that's not a good career move no one's gonna take you seriously as a pastor if you're a a giant fiery eye at top of the tower but (sighs) he just had to make those rings He just had to make those rings we should have kept him out of the mall with K-Jewelers. We just knew it wouldn't be a good idea. But Yeah, it didn't interact well with his vaccination shots. No. There you go, folks. A little political, incisive satire there. Am I going to be getting a New York Times urgent update
1: now warning? Johnson & Johnson suspended again because it might turn you into Lord Sauron. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. We're, we have fun. No, I uh, I thought Jake was going to be here. I don't know where Jake is. But, well, let's talk about Watership Down. We're uh, already... actually. What's that? We're already talking about it, man. Well, let's talk about the book Watership. So uh, the series, the only other thing I'll say about it is I really wanted to watch it after reading the book. And then I sort of watched some clips or a trailer or something. And it just looked like the animation was pretty crummy. And that was what turned me off of it. It's not bad. I
1: mean, they follow the book pretty well. So They beef up the
0: girls' parts. I sort of assumed they would probably have to do that one way or another. They did. They added a couple female characters.
1: They removed some characters. I mean, as one has to when telling a cinematic version of anything. Yeah. You know, you got to make Farimer into a coward.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe I'll watch it one of these days. I mean, Meredith also read Watership Down and loved Watership Down. So, I mean, we would both enjoy a good... Movie adaptation. I've never seen that 1970s creepy looking thing. Do you guys ever watch that?
1: No, I never have seen that. Friend of ours, Aaron Jones, he he swears by it, but I never have watched it.
0: Yeah, the people that love that movie, it's one of those that the people that like it tend to really like it. But there are other people who can't even get through five minutes of it. I've
1: seen bits and pieces of it, but yeah.
0: Richard Adams famously did not like that movie for whatever that's worth. I don't, I don't know why exactly,
1: but. They did not try to turn any of the rabbits gay in this new one, which was great. That's great. Since every single thing. We watched the movie, The Mitchells versus The Machines, only to have some stupid twist at the end where she's a lesbian. So don't right. watch that. It's fine otherwise. And then you have all these idiots with Luca trying to turn them into homosexual icons. And yet, I didn't pick up on any of that while watching the movie. I really enjoyed it.
0: No, yeah, it's like it's a just good fine. old
1: fashioned Swiss Family Robinsons, not Swiss Family Robinsons, like Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. That's what. Yeah, I meant. it's
0: it's it's a cute little movie. I liked it too. It's not Pixar's uh, well,
1: best, but it's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. It made us.
1: It inspired uh, you guys. Did an episode on it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Did you hate it?
0: No, 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 no. Uh, You're okay. you're you're lining up with us. Luckily, okay. whew.
1: you're, you're going to come out with your barbs. Well, uh, guess what, Brandon? <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, it inspired. Me to make Trinette El Pesto with my daughter Alyssa. Oh, yeah. And how'd that go? Was it? That oh, was really good. It is, I mean, that, that, I love it when a movie
0: like that can make you hungry. Yes. Ratatouille does that too. Yeah, but then you try Ratatouille and you're like, eh, yeah, okay, fine. A number of things like that make me hungry. And then when I actually have the thing, it doesn't really pay off. Like Turkish yeah. Delight is famously really gross, in my yeah. humble opinion, at least. Never so. had it. You've not had Turkish Delight? Mm-mm. Well, for one thing, it's more savory than sweet, which w- was a surprise to me. And maybe if I'd known that going in, it would have been better. For another thing, as I recall, it's one of those kind of almost Spanish tasting things where it's just... Uh, you sure you didn't go to
1: Taco Bell and just buy yourself a taco?
0: You know, now that you mention it, I went to the premier Spanish restaurant and bought this premier Spanish food. I thought and thought it was Turkish Delight. I thought it was Turkish Delight. a taco from taco bell (laughs) yeah i love a taco from taco bell i love a lot of things from taco bell but just a taco from taco bell is simple straightforward food yep a simple straightforward food simple straightforward three or four trips to the bathroom that you take well here we are talking about water water ship down what'd you think about that water ship down the novel I was really let down because there were no waterships, yeah, there's no watership, and we're gonna take this book down. I thought I thought it was going to be like a submarine naval story watership down.
1: yeah, I was really looking forward to some rabbits and their navy uniforms.
0: Unfortunately, this wasn't written by the Green Emperor guy, so I thought it was going to be a sequel to Black Hawk Down, and yeah. watership was going to be another helicopter. That was going to go down in the midst of Somalia. And then we were going to see Ewan McGregor operating on some guy's leg without any yeah. equipment, like digging his hand into the guy's knee.
1: Hey, I will say that so far I have received no heat for the mild comments we've made about Green Ember. So. Good. Maybe
0: it's not as beloved as...
1: No, I think people was. like it. I just think maybe we were fine. There's in having, in being frank, having the small criticism point. that we had. Yeah.
0: It's a terrible piece of garbage, and that's only not, white supremacists read it. Okay, yeah, sure. It was Charles Manson's favorite book. Right when he died, they found it under his pillow. <laughs> right, <laughs> these are all Brandon's opinions. I, I think Great Amber is just great. Anyways, let's lean into that some more.
1: <laughs> let's so your see question if we can't was, get
0: some comments about it. Yeah. So your question was
1: Watership Down.
0: Watership Down. Brandon, what is your general thought on the novel Watership Down? We, we we're finally getting to it. We, we haven't actually just, you know, discussed. We've talked about context and different things. but We haven't just... Well, actually, have we said content? Have we said baggage? What's your baggage with Watership Down? I actually don't have much baggage with Watership
1: Down. The, the same... So, he's been on an episode before, actually. I think Andrew Henry, friend of ours. Mm-hmm. He was on the special episode on... That Ray guy, Bradbury, Ray Bradbury. yeah, stories, so yeah. people have heard him before He was talking to me Sunday about Watership Down And my, I was telling him the same little brief story My grandparents had a Reader's Digest series at their house And they had a book called Rabbit Hill And I think, I, don't, I haven't ever looked it up I think it's a rip-off of Watership Down But maybe not, maybe it came before Do hmm. you know anything by it? It's by Robert Lawson Hmm Oh The winner from 1945, so this definitely was before. Robert Hill by Robert Lawson. Anyways, it kind of... I I didn't love it when I tried to read it. Of course, I was trying to read it when I was in the middle of, like, my Dickens-Tolstoy phase, so... Yeah, definitely was well before. So this was before. It's not a rip-off at all.
0: I just pulled it up. There's this giant rabbit leaping over a house with a big, goofy... Grin on his face on yeah, the well, vintage anyways. cover of this book.
1: It's like Harvey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The best the best rabbit story of all time. Harvey um, combined
0: with Godzilla.
1: And what's that creepy one? With the guy wears this terrifying Donnie Darko.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, top three, top three rabbit stories. Donnie Darko. What was the word you just said? Harvey. Yeah. And Roger Rabbit. And Roger Rabbit, obviously the the top three most wholesome rabbit stories. Yeah. Run Rabbit. <laughs> That would be the other, the Rabbit series. Nothing to do with Rabbits. No, I was confused by that as a child. That's
1: a book where it would have been
0: improved by Rabbits. That's a book that would be improved by Netflix, turning it into a bad Uncanny Valley. Actually, no, that would be horrifying if they did the Polar (laughs) Express version of (laughs) (laughs) Updike. Hot take. John Updike should have remained
1: an essayist and never tried to write fiction because he wasn't any good at it.
0: He's just so... What's the nice word for this? He's just so navel-gazing. I just can't stand it. No, I actually... Sex, I, his sex stuff is so tawdry.
1: I read the Rabbit series back when, and I, I just think he's not a very good fiction writer. I think he should have stayed away from it. Yeah. The I was reading. The and this is
0: a total tangent, but I, I was reading an essay, which I meant to drop in Slack for you guys, about the death of the male outrageous novelist figure. Like, we don't have Norman Mailers anymore. We don't have Thomas. John Updike's. The last one that we really had was the guy that wrote American Psycho, Brett Ellis. But we just don't have these outrageous, uninhibited, sexually debauched male premier novelists. And the, the author of the article was making the case that somebody like that could not thrive today, principally because of politically correct political correctness, but but also because women just run the publishing industry now. interesting. And so actually you have very few young male novelists emerging, period. Like they, they just don't get published. Most fiction that gets published in the mainstream is written by women. And is either, this guy was making the case, is is either the story of bored socialites, kind of the angry young man building strum Equivalent like the John Updike Rabbit series woman equivalent story, um, or it's some sad story about a person of color suffering for one reason or another. But those are the only are the stories we like to hear today. Yeah, the <laughs> the classic yarn. Oh well. So he, he, what he was really arguing was that the young, the angry young man, buildings Roman, I think, is what he said is dead. Yeah, it's a really encouraging time to occasionally aspire to want to be a fiction writer isn't it it's a it's an absolutely you know it actually reading that article made me reaspire in some ways because i was just like you know if they're not letting any if the gatekeepers are completely locking us out then that means we either need to find our own sort of out there way you know underground whatever way to do it or if somebody can make it through they would really pop because there's no competition you know if you're just the angry young man guy who actually makes it then you'll be up on the pedestal by yourself because no other angry young men are making it through right now so there you go there you go all you angry young men who want to write angry young men buildings romans can i just try to write something good and get it published no no that's that that died Somewhere in the mid-century, well, mid-20th century, I think. Poetry, that's definitely almost the case.
1: Unless you want to go to the conservative magazines and nobody reads those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, now, my good friend Brandon Chastine got published in a conservative conservative well, uh, magazine. Well, what I'm saying is like the gatekeepers of what people – the gatekeepers of poetry are not looking towards that. So The guy in this article was actually arguing that you can find great talent – on twitter just writing twitter threads or on chintzy blogs and things like you can find the people who would be the henry millers or the norman mailers or the
1: does does not surprise me yeah
0: and and they just kind of occupy a, a lot of what he was arguing a lot of the cream of what we think of as kind of the red pill actually just 10 or 20 years ago even would have been heralded as the new mailers or millers or whatever and i'm not a huge fan of Norman Mailer or Henry Miller or really any of those guys. Well, I think that a lot of those guys, they were, so they were all students of journalism.
1: So I've really gotten into, a, I don't know if I should say this, a David Foster Wallace kick. Mm-hmm. Simply because his essays are amazing. Yeah. I don't recommend all of them, but he was a very good essayist and I've become pretty yeah, I've just become a student lately of the personal essay. I really have enjoyed it and how it works. And I never really respected it as an art form until recently. And he was a master of it. He's really good. Like his essay on the cruise ship is one of the funniest things I think I've ever read, even though it is obviously hyper-realism and the stuff that made Foster Wallace, Foster Wallace. Right. But anyways, all that to say, a lot of these angry young white guys, like I think Updike, were meant to they, they had the journalist mindset and they tried to then apply it to fiction and it didn't quite work for them right so i've never enjoyed mailer i've never enjoyed Updike. i've never enjoyed foster wallace to be honest of their fiction but i think they were
0: great essayists yeah i'm trying to think who i actually like from that school i mean i don't really like the beat guys i don't like jack kerouac that much i know people love him but i don't i've just i don't know what my problem is and then you get more into the mid-century, mid-century and late-century. I mean, they've all loosely inherited Steinbeck, right? Right. But, and Steinbeck was better than any of them at fiction
1: writing. So
0: Yeah, Steinbeck wasn't afraid to be cheesy. Yeah. And he wasn't allowed to be uninhibited in his sexuality in the way – I mean, he could have like, the thighs of women have lost their clutch or, you know, some cornball crap like that. But mostly – Steinbeck's pretty tame by today's standards at least. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I I think also part of it was it's really interesting to look at the history of
1: so the and this was actually one of the dissertation topics I was considering but the history of the journal in America Mm -hmm. and kind of how that helped to crystallize a high art form so that you had people that was like this echo chamber a whole bunch of narcissists writing for each other Mm -hmm. and so all that Updike would have to do was like sneeze on a sheet of paper and the New Yorker would publish it as a short story. Right. Even though like I had read one back when, back when he was alive, I was getting the New Yorker and I read one of his short stories. And again, I was just struck by how he was not a very interesting fiction writer. Right. But all that to say, a lot of these guys came out of that desire to write that kind of fiction. In other words, they were trying to write for that crowd. Mm -hmm. And so... Even if they could write good fiction, I don't know if we'd ever know it because they were so set on trying to be the New Yorker stylists. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Um, so maybe Updike had a great novel in him if he would have just stopped being so insecure and caring so much about what the New Yorker thought of him.
0: Well, what I'm trying to think now is whether he had a great short story in him. If so, I don't know it. But did did a short did like for example Norman oh, you know, Mailer you know, actually? You know,
1: sorry, you know who yeah. actually is in that crowd and is actually okay, but is
0: perverse philip roth yes okay sure yeah i have not read i think i started portney's complaint one time dennis johnson yeah dennis johnson's pretty great i mean he's kind of his own thing though
1: he's he's yeah dennis
0: johnson is just i feel like he's doing this he's he's sort of taking the same risks that those guys are, are and he's being just as irresponsible as them in many ways but because he's just brutally talented he he can get away with it. Like he just, he doesn't need to even have an idea for a short story. He can, he can just sit down and sneeze on a piece of paper and I want to read it because he's just, he's just that good. Yeah. And sometimes, especially in his later work, you do sort of feel like, did he have an idea or did he just sit down and sneeze on a piece of paper? No. Yeah. And then you say, who cares?
1: All his novels are that way. Like tree of smoke. I don't remember anything about the plot, but it consumed nigh. Consumed my. I'll just leave it at that. No, that, I'm not going to leave it at that because that sounds... <laughs> consume yeah, my well, time.
0: <laughs> yeah, what word was Libido? What, what, what word was going to come after yeah, that? <laughs> consume my time.
1: Uh, I'm brutally yeah. talented with podcasting.
0: Right, yeah. How'd you like that little phrase, brutally talented? I, I should write... The, I enjoyed I that. should write blurbs for, you know, like, brutally talented... I knew I had to go
1: back and finish that sentence because the fiery eye of Jake turned towards me. I could feel him mm-hmm.
0: beating down upon me. Yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, Dennis Miller, or not Dennis Miller. <laughs> hey, guy, Dennis Miller. <laughs> Can you think of a worse novelist than Dennis Miller would be? <laughs> I think I'd rather read a Donald Trump novel. The funny thing about Dennis Miller is his frame of reference is all the guys we've been mentioning, so he's like, Oh, I feel like I'm in a Philip Roth novel, right? And that's like a very yeah. Dennis Miller kind of construction. Anyway, who is oh Dennis Johnson. Dennis Johnson to me just operates as a series of aphorisms or something like that. Like it's the it's the individual lines and the individual moments. And at the end, I don't know that they add up to much. Like you don't know they don't. You don't take anything away from it. You don't even really remember what the story is for the most part. There are some exceptions to that. But if you remember the the little Well, that's because, that- yeah, Dennis Johnson was kind of a poet at heart. And so,
1: more what mattered was the meaning and the, the image. Mm-hmm. And so, I really think he was in the vein of the imagist poets in that sense. And speaking of, you want a good segue back to rabbits? Sure. Dennis Johnson had a story that had rabbits in it. Remember
0: that? Yeah, then the guy stood on some rabbits? and Baby, baby rabbits. That's how he got his uh, nickname throughout the book. Man. Before we leave Dennis Johnson, though, I just want to uh, say that my two favorite Dennis Johnson lines, I mean, one is, of course, I knew every raindrop by name, Yep. which happens when a guy who's hopped up on something or other is in a car crash, and you kind of get this slow motion. The rain is coming down. I knew every raindrop. By name, like this transcendent kind of... Anyway, that's that's maybe Dennis Johnson's best story, which is in a collection called Jesus' Son. Well, no, actually, there's another story in that collection, which is his best, which is called... What is it called? Dirty Laundry or Dirty Baby or... Is it the abortion story? Yeah, it's the abortion story. Dirty Secret or something like that. Dennis Johnson, we, we
1: always talk about him on this podcast and kind of tiptoe around him. I just don't know... If we'd be able to wholeheartedly recommend him.
0: but Yeah, well, some of our listeners may not even... I I feel like the tangent is becoming the podcast here. So let's talk about Dennis Johnson a little bit. Some of our listeners may not even know who Dennis Johnson is. We do tiptoe around him. We have talked about him a number of times. But how would you sort of sum him up for people? He's, well, he's definitely
1: one of the best stylists of the last century. He just mm-hmm. recently died not too long ago. He was a product of the Iowa Writers Workshop, but that's like saying that Flannery O'Connor was as well. I mean, he just had an immense talent that it, he was inevitably, he was going to be a writer, right. and the thing that people did during the 70s and 80s when he went to college was go to the Iowa Writers Workshop, and so that's what he did, but he got uh, some stories published. It might have been in the 80s. I think he first came to fame with that story you mentioned, the, the raindrop by name. He got that published in The New Yorker, I believe, and but he claimed to be a Christian. His younger life was consumed by and then eventually he repented and gave up everything, got married, he actually homeschooled his kids. He has a really great essay that he wrote on homeschooling. He was weird, though, he was a weird guy. He was kind of a mystic visionary. He taught college down in I think San Marcos in Texas for a while. Never was it like one of the big universities, but was always seen as kind of one of the big names. In literature, I think the closest analog we have to him would have been David Foster Wallace. Actually, they were pretty similar guys. Dennis Johnson died of cancer, though, he, and he died right. fairly recently. He was a, he was a great novelist, but I think he was like I said, I think he was a poet at heart. And this always reminds me of that quote. I don't. I think it was Faulkner, but it could be one of those. Kind of legendary quotes that he never actually said, where he said that those who can write poetry, those who can't write short stories, and then those who can't mm-hmm. write novels. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah. Dennis Johnson could kind of write poetry. I actually don't think he was – his poet, poetry is pretty good. He has one that's pretty great on a rock star. It's a sonnet. But his, his – the genre he's shown in was the short story. Mm-hmm. And he, he took what was masterful about a short story, because a short story kind of rides that line between a poem and a novel. And that a poem works by the intensity of the image and the music of the language. So a short story can still have the music of the language, but, and it all focuses on that one central moment that makes it the short story, you know? So -hmm. you have to build up everything. So that one moment kind of takes on all the meaning of the story and it uh, crystallizes around that. And he was just, he was great at that. And he could take that little moment and make it feel like it had a whole lot of meaning. And it was Mm -hmm. due to his style, due to the cleanness of his style but also what you see with a writer like him too. Unlike some, some writers try to hide their voice, mm-hmm. but you can definitely tell Dennis Johnson when you're reading Dennis Johnson. right? It's just, he's got his own style and it's really hard to categorize something like that, but he does. He just has his own style and it's it's clean and short sentences, but he's got something that he does that's definitely his own thing.
0: Well, that's, that's the thing that's important for me is it's not, it is often over the top and hallucinogenic in some ways quite literally but the style is very clean it's like hemingway on acid or something like that it's it's not a lot of verbiage to achieve these transcendent hallucinogenic poetic effects like when you think about the druggy kind of hippie writers you think about somebody like hunter s thompson who was so over the top and so self-obsessed and so verbose yeah a good writer in his way but very purple, as we like to say. Dennis Johnson was never purple. he always was a really careful, considered wordsmith.: You, you
1: could tell, yes, exactly. You could tell, yeah, what I was going to add is that he cared about the way his music the, the music of his language. Mm-hmm. He was very aware of that, which is why I say he like rides the line between poetry and the short story. There are some writers that you just know care about the way that the sound of the words plays off the images that they're building. You know, C.S. Lewis, to an extent, was that kind of writer.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think think he was. Think
1: think of the way to glory. I I mean, there's just a rhythm to the way he writes. And so, Dennis Johnson, there's a rhythm to the way he writes. And I appreciate that. It can take forever to write. But when I do write, I'm that kind of writer. I I care about the sound of things just as – and I think that it's because I have a musical background. So, to Dennis Johnson, he has this weird video you can find where he's like giving a speech while he plays bongo drums. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. He's He's a, he was definitely that kind of guy. He was just a big weirdo. But he said he claimed to be a Christian, and for all I can tell, there was some, some legitimacy to it. He was that kind of Christian that was really grungy and probably would have fit right into the Acts 19 movement, but he was too weird. But his stories, you can tell he has an awareness of the need for grace and the nastiness of sin. But that does mean that his stories can be pretty nasty. Like his last volume of short stories, The Large S of the Sea Maiden. It has some stories in there that I just don't know if
0: I would recommend anybody read. Yeah, he's... He can be pretty vile, Yeah, unfortunately. He's a weird mix of almost Leonard Cohen-esque mix of kind of the divinely transcendent and the earthily grotesque. But as far as like my own personal history with
1: Dennis Johnson, he was introduced to me by one of the best professors I ever had, Dr. Tim Parrish. I'm sure he'll never listen to this, so... He'll never know that I thought that. But still, Dr. Parrish is the one who convinced me to read something other than War and Peace by Tolstoy. We read mm-hmm. Anna Karenina. And he's also the one that introduced me to Dennis Johnson and convinced me that there were writers worth reading after 1920. Mm-hmm. So, And I think until Dennis Johnson died recently, he and Kazuo Ishiguro, I think, were the greatest living fiction writers.
0: Kazuo Ishiguro is the greatest to... Do something approximating something that somebody in the mainstream might want to read. I mean, Dennis Johnson never quite made the leap to being some a book that I would just hand to everybody the way that yeah. I would hand.
1: Yeah, Ishiguro is he, Ishiguro cares about his style, but he's not the master stylist that Johnson is. They're they're pretty polar opposites of each other like that. Ishiguro would be
0: more along the lines of the Dickens. Yeah, Dennis Johnson would be more along the lines of the Hemingway. Right. The kind of care and consideration that Johnson is putting into each individual word and the sentences and the paragraphs is the kind of care and consideration that Ishiguro is putting into the story and the conceit and the thematic unity and all that sort of thing. I just want to read some Dennis Johnson quotes to give people the flavor. Quote, she wanted to eat my heart and be lost in the desert with what she'd done. She wanted to fall on her knees and give birth from it. She wanted to hurt me as only a child can be hurt by its mother. Unquote. And gives you a little bit of the flavor. One of my favorites. I said, are you a messenger of God? Worse, he said. I said, what could be worse than a messenger of God? Yeah. See? I mean, that's a quote that kind of shows he gets it. Yeah. Yeah. He he, he gets it. I mean, he's some kind of dark genius. I think we have, I think we almost recorded a Jesus son. That's the name of his most famous collection of short stories. We almost recorded an episode on that one time. And then we didn't because we were just like, ah, it's going to be really clear that we love this, but also it is full of depravity. Yeah. And I mean,
1: that was back in the old days when we didn't quite feel like we had the history with our listeners so that they could know that we could both show love towards something and also not be wholeheartedly
0: recommending it. Right. Right. And that we're just demanding you have some discernment. <laughs> yeah. We trust our listeners to have more discernment. Now, and so we talk about a a wider spectrum of things. Maybe Uh, we just don't care anymore. Yeah, we've given up. Tropic of Cancer, my favorite novel. Easily the best thing ever written. Right, right up there with Lady Chatterley's Lover. Nice. There you go. Me and Brandon are actually working on a novel together. It's it's, it's Blood Meridian meets Lady Chatterley's Lover by way (laughs) of Tropic of Cancer. It's gonna be something else. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> it is gonna be something else. It's gonna be great. Written in the style of uh, what's who's one of the most purple guys. Written in the style of what's the Fahrenheit four fifty one guy? Ray Bradbury. Yeah, written in the style of Ray Bradbury, oh. with the punctuation of Cormac McCarthy. Wow. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying well, I'm helping you write this. So. <laughs> yeah, no, this is your idea. <laughs> Brandon actually forces me at gunpoint to help him write this. It was all his idea. Well, Norman Mailer did write one great short story. It's called In the Company of Men or something like that. Really? It's about about a, a young man that joins the army. Imagine that, an army story from Norman Mailer and he sees how the men talk to each other and doesn't feel like he can enter into it. He's kind of effeminate whatever and then at a certain point, he does something really great, an act of heroism, or maybe he just becomes a really beloved chef or something. I don't remember. He he works his way up so that people really like him, but then he says the wrong thing, and all the jock guys kind of don't know what to do with him. And the story ends with him being sad, and it's saying he would never be able to enter into the company of men or something like that. It, uh, it captures the alienated, effeminate point of view very, very well. So... You can find that random. It's it's a frequently anthologized Norman Mailer story. You you shouldn't have trouble coming across it if you want to find it. (laughs) Yeah, it seems to be fairly perceptive. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, man, well, that is what I think about Watership town
1: Yeah, Uh, he's definitely not like any of those things we talked about. No,
0: (laughs) the tangent became the episode. The boy became the man. The tangent became the episode. So they'll have to hear our thoughts on Watership Down when Jake decides to join us. Yeah, that's the, that's the other reason that I decided to just uh, let this tangent be the episode, because it'd be nice to talk about Watership Watership Down is worth having a good, solid, meaty discussion with all three of us. But so, hey, should we
1: tell people that we've been riding on the backs of eagles this entire episode? We're getting really close to the
0: Mount of Doom. Yeah, we've been riding on the backs of eagles... This entire episode, we're getting really close to Mount, Mount Doom. Doom.
1: I said Mount of Doom, but
0: whatever. The mouth, to the Mount of Doom. Mount of
1: Doom. <laughs> we're going to throw that K's ring into the fire and get Jake back with us.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great. His tower will collapse. He'll look around frantically and then fall into the... Man. A little bit of a cartoon moment when his eyes... Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> What's <laughs> yeah, going on? Curly from Three Stooges. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Uh... If somebody hasn't taken the eye flailing around and added Curly's woo-woo-woo noises from the Three Stooges, then I don't know what YouTube exists to do anymore. (sighs) Yeah, Peter Jackson's lame conceit of the eye as being a a literal eye on top of a tower is uh, one of the sillier things from those movies, I, I must say. I must say. But I think we litigated all that last year when we did all of our Tolkien episodes. I wish I could find, I can't find this essay about the death of the angry young man's buildings Roman, but I would love to find it. And the the interesting thing was actually that this guy that wrote the SI, the SI, this guy had graduated from the Iowa Writers Workshop. So he was, he would, and he said it was a pretty sexist, like what you would expect culture when he went through it, even. 10 20 years ago but that at all really really changed just within i mean he pegged it as being the last 20 years that women had just completely taken over the publishing industry oh i know how i might be able to find it <coughs> never mind i don't know how i would might be able to find it well brandon any more thoughts about Whatever we were talking about today. If anybody wants to know, School is Out is the name of the essay from
1: Salon by Dennis Johnson. If you want to go get his thoughts on schooling. Nice. So And they're good. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's a, it's a good way to get his style of essay writing. And he was a pretty good essayist. So. Cool.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we... I really hope next week, folks, that we will be back with a full... Watership Down episode, and then I hope you know we get, we'll get one or two of those, and then I hope we'll get some full episodes on Book of the Dun Cow coming up. Quite an in- interesting novel. And have you read Book of the Dun Cow yet, Brandon?
1: Yeah, I've started it. It's
0: Pretty I'm interesting. Not
1: done with it yet?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that is why you listen to other podcasts, not this one. No, that's why they listen to this podcast. Okay, where am I going? What am I doing? Oh, I'm pulling up our patrons. Patrons, Yes. Well, I'll tell you who the new patrons are. We don't have any actual new ones, but let me just rehearse the old ones here. Uh, What am I saying? What did that even... Sorry, folks. What a waste of your time the last 30 seconds were. I'd like to apologize. Those words... Those were just basically I was reading the patron list, looking at it, and words were just coming out of my mouth that didn't really go together into any sort of coherent form. So this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to first remind you of some of our new patrons, Brandon. Okay. We've got like, we'll start with Annie. Are you okay? Get your gun. She's kind of settled into a classic at this point. I don't think she's- Are you okay, Annie? Do you got your gun? I hope she's got her gun. I hope she does. Flight of the Valerie, obviously. Da, da, da. Thor Ragnar Josh. These are all kind of old hat at this point. I mean great hat, but old hat. Thor uh, Ragnar- Ste- Josh. That rock guy is pretty funny from that movie. Yeah, that rock guy's hilarious. He's got some he's got some good lines. I like Taika Waititi's sense of humor or whatever that guy's. We got Steven Dot dot dot. We got Pegladon. We got Christopher the Flower Hulk. We got Lady of the Crystal Lake. We got Ian the Death, a Myrian Lord of Death. That's awesome. We got, what's that? That's a great one. We got a man in possession of an Emily is in want of nothing. We got Emily Nightshade, the Haunter of Dreams. Whoa. Very dark gothic name that. We got all about the Benjamin, baby. Yeah, yeah. Those are the new ones, newish ones. All the old ones. You know who you are. Yeah, you know who you are. You're people like Robert Durand, the Lovebirds, the Artful Anthony Dodger, Little Anthony Cigar Store, the of Chelsea E., Jimmy Beam and Little Annie Oakley, Lily of the Valley, Andrew Nestor, and the Lovebirds, the Keith Master, David's Mighty Men Trucking, John and Jill and Little Baby Max, Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese, and also C.S. Lewis, including yep. Way of Faces, uh. Fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness, Mother Beth, yep. Console Prime Adam, Nathan yep. Not Me, Ryan the Red Avenger, and Judith of the Ladies of Justice, DJ Sammy G., Benny and Dan and Tiberius, Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Breaks, Professor and Lady X, Lavender's Green, Dylan Dylan, Lavender's Blue. Blue. Lavender screen Dylan, and I, I love you too. you too. Noah constrictor, Mara Cheap, yep. the Fair and Fragrant Maiden Chloe, Anthony was cold and hates life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese, Jiu Jitsu J- Jeffrey the Texas Ranger, Rachel Rachel Rachel, Midnight Ninja Ellen, Return of the Jedediah, Jay of Rack and Ruin, Timothy the Writer at Dawn, Eric and Kate the Camp Champ, Kings who are warm and love bees, many, 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 man. Batman, Sweet Jamie Sunshine, Tyler, the Keeper of Eternal Darkness, and Laura, the Keeper of Eternal Light, Cold Steel Cody, Jacqueline the Librarian, Barbarian, John Babadilla, Bomb Diggity, and Captain Taneel, his mate, Saxophone Alex, the other saxophone Alex, and Dubstep Danny, Ryan the Terror of Texas, and Eric of the Cream and Crimson, who no longer are stuck in the cold, please send cheese, just the same, Ben Solo, and Kylo Ren, John the Cogman the King of Chaos, Matthew yep. the Mind Flayer, and that leads us all the way back into, Annie, are you okay? Get your gun. Nice. Well done. But you got, any, got any more... We love our patrons, and if you'd like to be one, go to patreon.com forward slash the book Got any more literary thoughts to share, Brandon? Any random tangents to go on? Anything you've been reading recently or no, thinking really. about recently? Just want to talk about Watership Down. I do too. But that that's what our listeners want to hear about, but we're making Let's, them wait. <laughs> we're making them wait. Sorry. It'll be it'll be worth it, folks. Watership down is a book that I'm very excited to have a nice meaty discussion where I dare say we'll get more meat off of this discussion than we would if we skinned and ate any given rabbit. So maybe
1: wound
0: wart. Maybe, yeah. This will be like a wound wart level of meat, but that meat mm-hmm. would be like all tough and <sighs> grangy and what's well, Coney's precious. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get like a nice stew. A nice. There'll be Sorry taters. That. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. <sighs> hmm. All right. I'm trying to think what I've been reading lately. Do I have any random literary thoughts to offer? I started reading Rebecca for this very podcast, but I can't talk about that because we'll be talking about that later in the year. Creek don't rise. All that. That's it. I don't think I have any more literary thoughts. Got well, well, plenty of thoughts about Watership Down, but coming up soon. Coming next week, I hope. All right. Goodbye, Brandon. Goodbye, listener. Goodbye. Moon. All right, goodbye.